0: All right, well, I'm excited for today's episode because I've got my friend Rashonda Yates with me. And uh, this episode might go a little bit different. You know, hey, we always never know quite where we're going, right? Um, but, but today we wanted to talk a little bit too about mastering self-control and about the whole idea that a lot of times we're trying to control and we're trying to force certain things to happen. But really, we're usually much better served instead of trying to force or control something but to just allow and i know it might seem a little counterintuitive so whatever you do listen to this entire episode because you're going to figure out a big key that'll be able to move you forward in the progress that you're trying to make in whatever it is that you may be doing so with that let's roll that episode hi i'm jason mefford and you're in the right place to start transforming your career and life with this podcast. I've been in the trenches as an executive leader, and now I'm an executive coach and confidential advisor to executives all over the world. I use a multidisciplinary approach to improve learning that drives transformation by getting to the root cause in a practical, no-nonsense way. I love learning and sharing what makes people tick, You get both education and entertainment, since learning shouldn't be boring, right? But that's enough about me. This podcast is a combination of intuitive leadership, neural influence, and mental mastery to take your career and life to levels you've never thought possible. If you're wanting to improve yourself, develop stronger relationships professionally and personally, make quicker, better decisions, And become a more effective leader then of course this podcast is for you because you are going to learn how to manage emotions in yourself and others avoid burnout stress and anxiety master your mind get people to listen and take action and become a lifelong learner and when you do that you will have a positive mental attitude executive leadership presence, and the skills to know exactly what to say and do in any situation. I'm glad you're here. So let's get started. All right, Rashonda. Well, welcome. I always love your smile. You just make me happy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. And I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for
0: having me. Well, no, it's it's um, like I said. There's just certain people that when you see them, it makes you happy. You're one of those people for me, so I'm honored <laughs> to actually have you here uh, because you know you, you you do some some really good work and and I wanted you know talked about you know a little bit about kind of some self control and and issues. So maybe. Just just give people kind of a a quick background on kind of how you help people, and then we're going to tie this in, because what we're going to be talking about today, folks, is relevant for each and every one of you. We may be using some different examples, but the principles and the tools and things that we're going to talk about are relevant for you, right? So,
1: That's my cue.
0: That's your, that's, your, that's your cue, girl. Let's go.
1: <laughs> the first thing I want to say is there was a total universe moment right off the bat. And you said that, you know, I was one of those kinds of people who, who makes, uh, who makes um, other people happy. And I, I have to share this. <laughs> that not two hours ago, I had this idea and it made me go and look at a journal from 1996 and I read a line. And so I was in, I think sixth or seventh grade at that time. Mm -hmm. And one of the lines that I read out of my journal from 1996 was I always wanted to be the kind of person that could make others happy. (laughs) I'm about to cry right now. Um, So. My backstory, yeah. I definitely was the the person who wanted to control everything. I wanted to, I was a classic textbook perfectionist. Um, I had no idea that this was a thing until I went on a whole journey, which we'll probably get into today, but there's something called image managing. (laughs) And it's something that particularly um, you know, people who, if you, you know, people who struggle with like addictive behaviors or substance addiction or whatever it is, you know, um, this is a common thing that you'll find is this image managing. And it was something that I did automatically without realizing I was doing it. And the whole point of it was to control your perception of me to be able to know that what you are seeing was whatever image I thought you wanted to see, you know, and who knows what that even is, but that's what it really all came down to for me. And so this would show up in my life um, in um, a few specific ways. One of them was um, controlling my body. And so, you know, I, I was desperate to make my body look a certain way, thinking that if I looked a certain way, then I would be, you know, valued. Um, another way was, you know, and it kind of goes hand in hand with that was my food. So I, you know, I became extremely controlling about my diet, about what I ate. And so this resulted in yo-yo dieting. It resulted in binge eating. It resulted in a lack of presence in my life because I was so preoccupied and consumed mentally with a cognitive load of trying to keep track of every single bite that I ate or how every single bite might be affecting my body or even, you know, how do I look from this angle, you know, sitting down? And I mean, it, it really is really wild when you really go into all the minute detail of like how much I was trying to manage in my mind. And then, you know, we briefly chatted before coming on, but, you know, it, it manifested in other ways too, in terms of like my sexual relationships, in terms of money. So it was something that I, more and more I'm seeing that, you know. Um, this idea of the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. And so beginning to um, dive into unraveling all those layers of control and embracing surrender has been one of the, I think that's like the work of my life, honestly, is in really surrendering and letting go.
0: Well, I think it's, you know, um, I'm one of those perfectionists too. I'm sure that most everybody who's listening as well, right? This whole idea of image managing, right? we that we we're, that, we're, that we're all kind of going through that and and we kind of, you know, white knuckle things because we're we're trying to just, you know, oh please, if I look a certain way then somebody's going to love me. If I if I show up a certain way at work then I'm going to get the promotion. If I, you know, on and on and on and on thinking that we can actually control those things, right? But uh, I kind of got a sense as you were talking and I could could feel it a little bit, right? That as you were going through and trying to do all that stuff, like you said, cognitively, that just had to be exhausting to go through that, right?
1: A hundred percent. I mean, it was so exhausting, not only trying to just keep track of all the things that made up my contrived image, if you will, but also dealing with the fact that no matter what I did, someone was always going to be disappointed in me and something that I did like I could never get to that perfect approval that I was always seeking. And so it was always just out of reach, which meant that I felt like I had to work harder. And this also led to then me trying to control other people <laughs> as well.
0: Mm. So
1: not only am I trying to manage my, my self image, but I'm also trying to manage other people's perceptions of me. And so that's a whole other ball of wax. And so yes, you know, it, it was very exhausting and it didn't work <laughs> to put it simply, it just didn't work.
0: Oh, and I think, I think it's funny because, you know, again, we're going to use some different examples as we're talking about, but body image, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think it's is a great one, right? Because again, whether, whether you're, you know, male, female, doesn't matter. Old, young, we all kind of have different body image issues, right? I mean, I've I've yo-yoed <laughs> as well. I've done good. I've been, you know, trim and fit and, and healthy. And I've been, you know, technically considered obese based on the BMI, right? And I've kind of gone back and forth at different points in my life. But I think it's you know it's funny that you that you brought up about that too, right? Because sometimes we're worried about, oh well if I weigh a certain, you know, if I weigh a certain amount, if I look a certain way, right. And, and and again, we'll just throw stuff out there, right. Everybody who has, you know, straight hair wants curly hair and everybody that has curly hair (laughs) wants straight hair. Right. Or, (laughs) or, you know, like it's like sometimes, well, if I'm thin enough and I look like the models in the magazine, then everybody's going to love me. But then there's the same person who's like, no, I like a curvy woman. Right. So so there, there's, you can't please everybody. So if you can't please everybody, what are we supposed to do? And I think this is kind of what you're helping people do, right? Is what, what, what do we do? If we know that whatever we do, we can't please everybody and we can't really control it anyway, what's our best course of action?
1: Yeah, that's really the question, you know? Because at the end of the day, you can't. And, you know, when I was trying to contort myself into what I thought um, would please other people, it just left me feeling um, frustrated, resentful, depressed. You know, I really um, went through this deep depression and I'm, I'm grateful for it because it was because of that, that I was led to start, you um, you know, seeking healing, you know, and I think this is a, is a leap for a lot of people to make um, because you hear it all the time, you know, you hear people say, oh, you know, just love yourself, <laughs> you know, and it feels like such this elusive, vague, amorphous concept. Um, and so, but In 2015 specifically, I had kind of reached the end of my rope in terms of um, trying to fix, you know, quote unquote, fix my body. And I had been up and down in my weight. I had been dieting, you know, trying to achieve this idea, this, what I thought was perfection. Um, And then I reached the end of my rope. I just was like, you know what? I just can't do this anymore. I'm miserable. What's the point? And so just out of desperation, <laughs> that moment, I chose to pursue being happy instead. And I was like, you know what, whatever happens with my with my body, with my weight, I don't care if I'm not happy. And so I just made that choice. And it was totally a Hail Mary, you know, that expression from football. is like, I had no idea that that was going to be the best thing I could have done. (laughs) And so I stopped dieting and I started to do exactly that, like just come from this perspective of if I were happy, what would my relationship with food look like? And so that led over the years to more and more questions that are similar to this, like what would my relationship with my body look like if I were happy? You know, what would my relationship with my husband look like if I were happy? Like, if I was coming from that perspective and that was really what I deeply wanted at the end of the day, why not just start there? And so that led me on this whole path that I never imagined, honestly, it, 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 you know, that I never could have dreamed of.
0: And I think it's, it's ironic, right? Because like you said, and so again, everybody that's listening, please get this. Okay. Is exactly what Rashonda's is talking about is the strategy that works, right? Unfortunately, what we all think is when I weigh a certain amount, when I look a certain way, when I get a certain job, when I have a certain level of money, then I'm going to be happy. Right. And, that ain't the way it is. Right. I mean, because we won't be happy at that point, we have to switch it around. Right. And just be happy and be who we are. Then the other things tend to kind of take care of themselves. Uh, but it's, but it's opposite to what most people think. Right. They think when I lose the 20 pounds, then I'm going to be happy but I promise you, you ain't gonna be happy when you lose 20 pounds. If you can't be happy now, you're not gonna be happy then, right? And so what you did, like you said, was kind of a complete shift and it goes, it goes against what everybody says, right? I mean, how many weight loss people, body image people are telling you, right? You've got a diet, you've got to control everything, you've got to track everything that you do, right? And, and doing that doesn't work for most people. They, they, they hold the weight, they yo-yo, um, they might lose, but yeah, it comes right back. So, so how does, you know, the, the being happy instead, right? What, what does that mean? Cause like you said, I know that a lot of times, and I, and I try to tell people that and I get the, the eyes rolling, like, what the hell does that mean? You know, kind of a thing, right? But what does it mean to be happy or to love ourselves? What are some things that that we can do, because I know you help people do that, is to to just be comfortable with who we are and happy with where where we're at. Right.
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that you um, highlighted from the beginning was this idea of like mastering self control. And I talk about this because so many people come to me um, who think that they need more discipline. You know, they need more willpower. They beat themselves up because the changes that they've been implementing aren't happening fast enough or maybe they had, you know, a slip up or whatever it is. And so then they try to like quote unquote buckle down. And this is what I used to do. You know, I used to think, oh, well, I'm just gonna go all in. I'm gonna go hard. I'm gonna be super, super, you know, committed. Back then I didn't understand what even commitment actually meant. But, and I, I really, it was really all around this idea you know, as you said before, around white knuckling, like I was going to somehow just really, you know, put all my effort into it. And that was going to get me to do the things that I thought would lead me to, you know, being happy, lose the weight, um, you know, be uh, what I thought was like socially acceptably attractive. And what I found was again that really the key came in really letting go. So when when I talk about letting go, it's going to it's going to look different for for uh, different people. But in my life, when I, for example, let go of control of my food, so and it's totally counterintuitive, but I stopped tracking my food. I, and I, I just kind of set this intention that, you know what, my food will take care of itself. You know, my body will tell me when to stop eating. And I trusted that. And then I just ate, (laughs) you know, like I I would just eat and I, I didn't do, I didn't have any, I let go of, all the rules that I had, you know, some people might be able to relate to this of having all of these different rules about, you know, what eating should look like and what is healthy or not healthy. And a lot of times we get into this, this um, good or bad, like that's a good food, that's a bad food. And we get into this like black, black and white, all or nothing thinking about food And so, and then we try to control every single aspect of eating. And what I found was when I actually let go of all of that, when I said that I was going to let go of all the rules, like, I'm not going to have this rule of like, you shouldn't be like, for example, eating in front of the TV, or you shouldn't eat um, Chinese takeout or, you know, oh, it's bad if you eat a piece of chocolate or whatever it is. I let go of all of that. And I... Again, I set that intention that, you know what? My body will tell me when enough is enough. And I just stopped thinking about it. And I'll never forget. One day I decided I wanted a donut from this like gourmet bakery. And it was like not a normal size donut, but they make like these huge donuts, you know, that are like filled with stuff and have decorations and toppings and everything. And so I went, excuse me, and I got this donut. And I was like sitting in front of my computer. So I was breaking all the rules. Like, you know, (laughs) people will tell you like, don't eat while you're distracted and you know, this and that and all this stuff. So I was breaking all those rules because I had no rules. And I was sitting in front of my computer typing and working and I had this donut. And after a while, I looked up and I realized that my donut had been pushed to the side. Like I had taken a bite or two of it and I had pushed it to the side. I had stopped eating it without trying. Now the thing to, like, I didn't, haven't really gone into this, but I came from a background of extreme binge eating. Like I could eat an entire pizza and then some by myself. And I've done that, (laughs) you know, and I could put away a lot of food, a lot of calories. And I would have this feeling of just being completely out of control. Like, once I started, I couldn't stop eating. And like, I, I would know I was full and I would be stuffed, but yet I would just feel this urge to just keep eating and eating and eating. And to go from that to just waking, like waking up out of basically, you know, my, um, I don't know what to call it, but basically just realizing that, oh, you know, I just managed my food, but I didn't, uh, without managing it, you know? And so when that moment happened, that's the moment that I, I recognized that I was free. And that word free means a lot to me because like, it's one of my highest values is freedom.
0: Mm-hmm. Mine too. But <laughs>
1: And I didn't recognize back then, how much food was actually controlling me. Like I might've said that, I might've told you that food was controlling my life, but then on the other hand, I would rebel, I, it would feel like I was rebelling against myself. So if I said, you know, I'm gonna use restraint and I'm gonna eat this meal, I'm not gonna go beyond that. It was like something in the back of my mind would go, I'll show you and I'm gonna go and eat whatever I want, you know? Um, And I had this huge aha moment one day when I was like, wait a minute, you know what you want in your life. You know that you wanna be healthy and well and you know you wanna go and impact people. So who's really in control right now, you know? And Mm -hmm. so that's to bring it back down to just concrete things. It's like, let go of that control. See what happens.
0: Well, and I think think your donut story is great too right because um what what's interesting again right is that we have this illusion of control my body's going to do whatever it's going to do i i my my conscious mind my conscious mind can't get it to do anything right it's 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 gonna just do what it's gonna do now subconsciously some other stuff you know we can with mind-body integration, there's some stuff that we can do as well, right? But it's, it, it's funny, like you said. I mean, that subconsciously, your body knew, and it distanced the donut from you. You had the couple of bites, but that was really all that you needed, or that your body needed or wanted, right? And then your body was just able to process and move it away. So you know, what's, what's, because what's funny is, you know, so many people try to strictly control what they put in their body, which is fine, right? I mean, we should be feeding our, at at least the best that we know. But the amazing thing is our body just does what it does without having to think about it, right? So, so, you know, one of the kind of mantras that I say to myself is, Uh, my body uses what it needs and flushes the rest, you know, Mm -hmm. in that whatever I happen to put into my body, it knows what to do with it, right? It's not like I can sit here and consciously go, oh, I just drank a can of Coke. So, all right, body, I want you to process that caramel color this way and take care of the high fructose corn syrup this way. It just knows what it's going to do, right? And it knows where to put it and what to do it's nothing that we can control and so, so what i think is interesting and i've i've heard this not from you but from other people as well is that when we focus more on that image and identity and the subconscious work and the happiness and loving ourselves our body takes care of what it needs to re- almost regardless of what we eat i mean how how many how many people you know do we know that totally live like completely opposite of what you're supposed to, right? George Burns jumps to mind, right? You know, the man lived to almost be 100 100 years old, smoked cigars like nobody's business, right? Well, he's not supposed to live that long because he was a smoker, right? Or, you know, one of the old guys, he was was probably like this 90-some-year-old man that would walk in our neighborhood when I was growing up. Every morning that man had, you know, bacon and eggs and all the stuff that, you know, that you say you're not supposed to have, oh, you'll die of a heart attack or whatever, but here right. he was, you know, going on long walks every single day. And so it's not so much about controlling what we put into our body as much as it's controlling our identity and, and, and the state of mind that we're in, it seems like
1: that's what I found to be true in my own life um, and I also um, the, another example that came to mind I remember on the news when I was little um, the the oldest woman uh, I don't know if it was in the world or if it was like in the United States was on the news they interviewed her and she had lived past beyond a 100 and I can't remember how old she was but they asked her like, okay, so, you know, what's your diet? Like, what do you eat? And she was like, McDonald's.
0: <laughs> Three times a day, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so I never forgot that. But, um, you know, another thing that sparked as we were talking, you know, coming back to this idea of like, your body is going to do what your body's going to do. And so it's really, you know, more of, you know, what is that image of ourselves that we hold, you know, um, in our awareness. And another thing that I, that I think really ties into this is like that going back to that self-love piece, you know, sometimes we neglect um, the need for pleasure, the need for fun, the need for enjoyment, you know? And so, this is something that I've really incorporated into my own personal values when when I'm eating because you know maybe my body didn't need a few bites of a donut <laughs> but it isn't it okay to give myself like the pleasure of eating a few bites of a donut you know and so mastery um, of self control not only allows you to you know. Um, not go overboard, but it allows you to indulge without guilt to be able to have that enjoyment. And like so much of my, my own personal journey has been about allowing myself to enjoy things, to enjoy pleasure, like to know that yes, it's okay to feel good.
0: Well, and it's funny because as you're saying that, you know, I, I know a lot of times when, when people hear the love yourself, be happy. It's like, what does that mean, right? But again, so let, let's let's take that example, right? It's, it's like, you know, if if you're so strict with yourself and you never allow yourself to have fun, you never allow yourself to have a donut, you've got all these rules and boundaries, and you know, you're hard on yourself. Is that really showing yourself love? Right. So again, if 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 it was somebody else, you know, if it's a loved one, a child, a, an animal, if you were acting the same way towards that other human or animal, would that be showing love? Right. Mm-hmm. So so again, we'll just take a dog. Right. It's like if 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 you put your dog on a strict regimen, it's like no. You can only have, you know, half a cup of dry food at this time. And then you can have, you know, blah, 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 blah. You're only allowed to drink, you know, this much water each day. And if you go over there and you look like you're, you know, you're wanting to do something else, I'm going to reach over and I'm going to smack you or whatever it is, right? If we're trying to control animals or humans in the same way that we tend to want to control ourselves, are we really loving ourselves? Isn't it more love to allow yourself to have a couple of bites of donut and then you set it aside, right? But you get that pleasure, you have the fun or, you know, you you do some of that other stuff. That's more actually showing love than by, I don't know what the right word is, by depriving us, right? Would you deprive someone that you loved of something that made them happy? But yeah, we would do it to ourselves.
1: It's so interesting. And it's, you know, the first thing that um, people, well, the women that I work with, uh, they tend to be people who binge eat, comfort eat, and it tends to feel like it's this um, almost out of control, habitual compulsion. And so the thing that pops up in my mind as of channeling them is, oh, but if I allow myself to have some... I'm just gonna, you know, is it loving to just like to eat this stuff and I'm gonna go crazy, I'm gonna go out of control, I'm gonna lose control. That's coming back to the surrender. (laughs) And it's not, it doesn't feel comfortable at first. And I think that's the thing that people um, get into resistance and the thing is like the old adage is what you resist persists, right? The more you try to cling to that control, the more out of control you're going to feel. And so, you know, I recognize that it is a leap of faith. <laughs> okay. Um, so I don't want to um, downplay that because I, I recognize that, you know, for people who, have especially when you have restricted for so for so long and deprived yourself denied yourself um when you've done that for so long you you lose trust in yourself and so it is it it is about taking that leap of faith and it's a choice to choose to trust yourself trust your body um And to go ahead and and let go of that, really, what I found in my own life was that it was like this, um, almost this addiction to control itself. Mm -hmm. And so I had to, like, recognize that and let that go. And like we were talking about, it was in so many areas of my life.
0: <laughs> well, because it was showing up in other areas, right? You were trying to control yourself, which meant you, I think you mentioned also you were trying to control others or other situations yeah. as well, too, right? Absolutely. That it, it ends up starting to show up in some of these other places as well. And I think it's, you know, as you were talking there about trust, it's, you know, in order to be in a loving relationship there has to be trust as well right so yeah if we're not trusting ourselves yeah then we're not really loving ourselves as well right and yeah maybe there's stories that have to be um reprogrammed right like one that my dad had and again okay my dad was a depression era baby Mm -hmm. okay so growing up in the depression obviously he had some different stories than i did but we used to have the clean plate club In our house, right? So he would, if if it was put on your plate, you had to eat everything, and you would he would like scrape the plate and get every little bit of food off of it, right? And it's it's you know when you when you grow up or, or or you 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 feel like that sometimes maybe there are some stories that have to be, you know, it's perfectly fine for me to leave. In fact, at certain points in my life, I would on purpose leave a certain amount on my plate, right? As a way to trust me and to know that I don't have to finish everything on mm-hmm. it. It's okay to leave yeah. a, a little bit there, right? But that trusting, like like you did with the donut, right? You you were trusting yourself. You subconsciously pushed that away from from yourself because you didn't have to eat the whole thing. You know, and I know, you know, binge eating and that gets to some other addictive behavior and other things as well right that that we're usually trying to numb ourselves there's some other deeper thing usually behind that as well but i think it's still kind of gets back to trust too though right i mean
1: yeah i mean like you know we were talking about um before we came on about how it really is um all the same deeper underlying issue. So whether that's, you know, binge eating, whether it's um, being addicted to scrolling on your phone, you know, or just kind of like zoning out in front of Netflix all day or whatever it is. Um, You know, when we kind of start peeling back those layers and get to the bottom of things, um, most of us will just find, oh, you know, it's that I really don't think I'm worthy of feeling good in my life, you know, or I don't trust myself to really um, go out and create whatever it is that I want to create in my life, whether that's a better relationship or, you know, better finances or start a business or whatever. And um, with my own life, you know, and I'm still learning this lesson, you know, so I want to make that clear. It's like self-trust is, it's another, it's a major piece of my life journey um, because I always wanted to look outside of myself for everything, you know, approval, love um, to, for someone else to, you know, tell me that I'm worthy, that I'm valuable, um, that I can do something, you know, pat on the back, whatever it is. I was always looking outside of myself only to figure out that like the only person who I can really rely on to give myself that is me. And so, you know, I'm still doing my work of rewriting the stories, thinking that, you know I need like some authority, um, you know to tell me that yes, you're on the right track or um, you're doing a good job. Um, So, but the more that I do that the more that I seek that internal uh, validation the freer, the freer and freer and freer I am. Oh, that's good. I'm gonna add that to my self-talk actually. (laughs) But um, the other thing is, you know, you talked about um, reprogramming. And so, you know, this is something that, uh, this was kind of like the last um, piece of the puzzle that I found for myself that I have, that I didn't even realize that this is what I had done But since learning more about exactly what this is, like being able to actually go into the sort of um, program of your operating system and reprogram your self-image, reprogram your identity, and basically line yourself up to do the things automatically that lead you to where you want to be in your life. Um, that is, that's a huge, huge piece that I think so many people are missing, but it really is the force magnifier. It's that thing that once you, once you commit to loving yourself and then you get the tools to reprogram your subconscious mind, and they're all over the place. Like you can find hypnosis tools, like they're out there. You just got to go look for them. But When you put those two things in place, look out because it's just unbelievable um, how different your life can look in such a short time. And that was really um, that last piece of the puzzle for me is really being able to harness that because the fact is we're all being programmed all day, every day. But being able to actually harness that was something that allowed me to actually be intentional about change, not controlling, but intentional about it. So that was um, a huge piece that I wanted to highlight too.
0: Well, and that's, there's, there's so much power in that word, intention, right? And like you said, intention instead of, you know, control and manipulation and whatever else it might be, right? Is is and that's that's really where it comes from because so many of us are looking, you know, why are we trying to control everything? Because we're concerned about what people external to us think about us, right? But at the end of the day, who gives a shit? It doesn't really matter what they think about us. What's much more important is what we think about ourselves. And you know, we've seen this. You've seen it. I've seen it in in lots of different places. It can be weight it can be career, it can be love, romantic relationships, everything else, right? And, and, you know, put two of them together, right? That so many people think, well, when I, when I lose this amount of weight, and I look this certain way, then someone will love me. Broken model doesn't happen, right? Because, you know, She'd look a whole lot prettier if she'd actually smile. That was a line from a song that <laughs> just popped into my head, right? Is that it, is it sometimes, you know, I, I, w- I don't care what people look like externally. I care who they are, right? And so regardless of, of who you happen to be, what you look like, right, that's what makes you attractive. Not your body at the end of the day, right? And so, but but how many people in especially romantic relationships, if I look a certain way, then people will love me, then I'll find a partner, right? As opposed to know, love yourself for who you are and realize that there's a partner that is exactly perfect for exactly who you are, exactly the way you are, right? And focus more on being you know, the best partner you can be, and then they show up. And, and I went through that after my, after my divorce, you know, it was that same thing like, Oh, nobody's ever going to love me. Right. And Oh, I don't fit this or I don't fit that. And finally, you know, again, it was the reminder of stop trying to find the perfect person, focus on being the perfect person. And then, right people get attracted into your life
1: yeah and I I think another thing that people can think about this is what helped me is to stop asking like how can I get more love and ask like how willing am I to receive love Mm. because for me that's really that was a (laughs) that was what it came down to was that I didn't feel worthy. And it goes back to what you were saying, you know, I didn't feel worthy of receiving love. And so that's when I got into a lot of self-sabotage in my relationships, you know, and I sabotaged my, my eating, you know, I would do well for a couple of weeks and then I would just go crazy over the weekend or something like that. So when I started to ask myself like how available am I to receive love how available am I to receive good to come into my life it really shifted things because I started to realize like how much good was already present in my life I started to realize like oh my god like I am so lucky I have so much love in my life I started to to take it in you know, to let myself be loved. And there's something so vulnerable about letting yourself really be loved. And I feel like that's what really draws people to us. (laughs) It's like when we really get into that vulnerable state, um, that's when people can really see us. And, you know, of course it feels uncomfortable but it's so attractive. You know, it's so gorgeous. is the word that's coming to my mind.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, no. And I, you know, we belong to some of the same coaching groups and stuff. And and it's, it's funny. I almost exactly word for word for what you've said, right. Is there, is there'll be a guy that shows up, he's doing a video, he starts bawling. Right. And again, from a guy's perspective, it's like, you know, that makes us look weak. Right. And all the women are like, man, that is sexy, you know, kind of yeah. a thing, right? It's like the, the more vulnerable and real and authentic that we are, that's what makes us attractive, right? Yeah. At the end of the day. And the, and the more that we trust ourselves, the more that we love ourselves. And, and that point that you brought up about receiving, right? So again, a lot of you that are listening, you might be thinking, I don't have a problem with self-love. I love myself, Right. Well, you know, just here's a, here's a couple of takeaways, right? Is the next time somebody compliments you, how do you feel about that? Is your first reaction of, oh, no, 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 I don't really deserve that, blah, 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 right? Because most of the time, people are uncomfortable receiving a compliment. Well, if you're uncomfortable receiving a compliment, then you're not allowing yourself to receive that love. And so you're repelling, you're pushing stuff away, right? So how easy are you actually at receiving, right? When you make a mistake, how do you talk to yourself in your head, right? Are you over there with the whip, whipping yourself? Like, you know, yo, you know better. You should have done better. Jason is a bad boy, right? Those are, I still have those thoughts in my mind. I'm still trying to kick it out, right? But when I do something often i revert back to that little boy like oh no jason was a very bad boy he did something very wrong right so if if we're having those feelings how much are we really loving ourselves and the problem is trying to control ourselves to put on a certain image to the outside world is not who we are and and it's ultimately i mean like you said you know once we can learn to be happy and love ourselves for who we are, then a lot of the other things kind of take care of themselves, don't they?
1: Absolutely, they do. Yeah, if you can just yeah. allow yourself to let go of that control. And I love the example that you shared. It is such a perfect example, um, such a simple way of practicing loving yourself and allowing yourself, um, allowing yourself to receive good, you know? And then another thing um, that is so simple, uncomfortable, but anyone can do it. It's just like, look in the mirror and tell yourself, I love you, (laughs) you know, and just notice how that feels. And there's going to probably, if you're not used to it, there's probably going to be discomfort and just allow yourself to be comfortable with that, you know, just acknowledge it. Um, let it in, and um, one of the um, steps of a process that I share with people is this allowing step. And the reason I have allowing um, is because we we tend to resist and we tend to make ourselves wrong about things. So, oh, I'm uncomfortable. Oh man, that must mean I don't love myself. That's bad. You know, I should know better by now or whatever it is and you know what if you could just um allow that to be that feeling of discomfort what if you could just allow it so you can think of like a wave in the ocean like part of the human experience we have all of these emotions you know um and It's like just this one wave in the ocean, it's going to come up, it's going to come to a crest and it's going to recede, that's what waves do. And so allowing is all about, you recognize that yes, I'm uncomfortable, and you might even recognize what the Buddhists call the second arrow, which is, you know, the first arrow hits you, but now you beat yourself up. <laughs> so that's the <laughs> second arrow. And that's,
0: <laughs> that one hurts you more than the first one.
1: Uh-oh, I lost you.
0: Yeah. Well, that, sec- that second arrow ends up hurting you probably more than the first one did.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's the ironic thing about it. And so just really allowing yourself um, to To let it be there, just let, just make space for it and just let it be. And then I, I feel like I should just finish out the last two steps after that. So, after noticing it, ask yourself this question ask yourself, what am I believing right now? And so, you know, that could be a belief that, you know, you're wrong or you're bad or, you're not worthy, whatever that belief is, um, let that surface. And then the last step is about nurturing yourself. And this comes back to self love. Like you are the one giving yourself what you need. And I like to place my hand over my heart and I ask myself what I need and I answer, and this is really key, I answer from the wisest part of myself, like who is like maybe maybe I project out into the future and I say, okay, if I'm 100 years old and I've lived my life and I, you know I've lived a wonderful joyful life, what does that person have for me? Or sometimes I will think about like a mentor, like Maya Angelou, someone who I often mm-hmm. like to kind of call on, and what message does she have for me? And with my hand on my heart, I'll think to myself, you know. Sometimes it's, thank you for keeping me safe, I'm okay. Because I recognize, oh, that's my brain doing what it does. Or it might be, I care about this suffering. And that comes a lot of times from me wanting to parent myself, you know, and parent myself in a way that maybe I wasn't parented. And just holding that space of nurture. And so, um this is a process called, it, um, it's called RAIN, R-A-I-N, recognize, allow, investigate, nurture. And it is one of the most powerful ways to actually move through um, discomfort, expand, because it allows you to really get into your body and just process things that are coming up in the moment. Um, so when it comes to self-love, A lot of times it's just that simple of just um, holding some space for yourself to feel what you're feeling and not make yourself wrong for it and give yourself what you need in the moment.
0: Yeah. So that rain process again, right? I mean, this would be a, a time again, when something comes up, maybe we're triggered a little bit or yeah. something doesn't go right the way the way that we want to. This is a, a very simple way for you to kind of walk through this. So the first one was recognizing, right? So kind of recognizing right. the emotion or recognizing whatever thought or feeling you're having at the time. Acknowledging, right? Acknowledging that it's happening.
1: Acknowledging, well, Actually, a better word would be accept or Except. I like to say allow. So either one works, accept or allow.
0: And that's that kind of that idea of the the wave, right? That again, instead yeah. of instead of trying to fight against the wave, just let it kind of wash over you and knowing that it's going to recede. And then the I was what again was investigate. Investigate. This is about
1: asking, you know, what what stories am I telling myself? What am I believing right now?
0: Yep. And then the final thing to actually nurture,
1: Yeah.
0: right? Because again, yeah, if we're loving ourselves, then we need some nurture, right? We need to, if nobody's around, give yourself a hug, right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> I mean,
0: it seems, it seems <laughs> funny. Okay. Right. But literally, if you need a hug and there's nobody around, if you hug yourself, chemicals get released in your body. And so it actually, even hugging yourself helps, right? But yeah, we need we need some of that that nurturing as well to realize. So next time I have one of those examples where I want to say naughty, bad, bad little boy, Jason, I can go through and use this RAIN process to be able to help get me out of it. And it doesn't take very much time either, right? I mean, this is, we're, we're talking just a few, a few minutes.
1: I mean, now I do it in 30 seconds. Um, it's so automatic for me now. <laughs> it's, that's, so that's the key is to really habitualize it. Um, you know, you can start with a very small part of it. You can just start with like the recognized part, just start to recognize when you are triggered, start to recognize when you feel uncomfortable for some reason, and then you can start building on it. But what, um, what I've seen from research is that Um, If you do it many times during the day, but for small moments, that actually builds the habit um, faster. Yeah. Yeah. So you can take just a few, you know, 30 seconds to a minute.
0: Great, great practical thing, you know, for us to kind of end with, you know, as well. But, you know, again, I know I'm a perfectionist. You're a perfectionist. We're recovering perfectionists, I think, right? (laughs) Right. Because we're on the way. But so many people you know, deal with this, struggle with it, probably beat ourselves up when we don't need to, right. And that whole second arrow concept, yeah. right. That, that usually we're harder on ourselves than whatever it was that we happened to, to go through. But instead of trying to control, let's just release and, and realize, you know, focus on loving yourself, on being happy. And a lot of the other things, you know, end up taking care of themselves because, a lot of these addictive behaviors, self-sabotaging behaviors, whatever you want to call them are usually because we're we're not in that state. And you got to be happy now cuz losing the pounds, getting the new job, having more money isn't going to make you happy or make you love yourself, you got to do that now. And then the other stuff happens. Right? Yes. <laughs> Oh, this is good. Well, thank you, Rashonda. If, if people want to reach out to you, how's the best way to, to reach out to you or get a hold of you then as well?
1: Sure. So there's a couple ways. Um, the best way is um, through to my website, rashondiates.com. And then I'm active on social media. So I'm on Instagram at Rashonda Yates. I'm on Facebook at Rashonda Yates. So okay. those are the best ways.
0: Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. But thank you, my friend. It's um, good stuff. And again, I mean, it's, you know, as, as you said before, and I'll say it too, we're on the path just like everybody else is, right? And we're just here to help share, provide hope to people and realize that, you know, life can be whatever you want it to be. Yes. And we've <laughs> given you some practical things, go out, use the rain, that RAIN principle, um, as well. And, um, let's just get on with our life and live who we are, yeah. right. And love ourselves, and focus and realize that everything really happens from the inside out. Any final, final thoughts?
1: That was the perfect summary. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for allowing me to be here and share.
0: Well, thank you. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you enjoyed the most about the podcast. And you may even be featured on a future episode. When you're ready to turbocharge your leadership development, Join the Briefing Leadership Program, where you get access to everything in one place and can interact directly with me in the group. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to Sea Risk Academy's video on demand learning platform at ondemand.criskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you will also have access to hundreds of video-on-demand learning opportunities. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.